0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk
1: show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.
0: Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we have a fantastic show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Why can I be so confident? Because as you can see, Robert J. Hunt is our guest. In full disclosure, I've known Robert for probably a decade. And yeah, 10 he's, years. He's a former Orange County resident who's now in Dallas leading forums for REF. But that's not why we're here today. We're here to talk about his latest creation, his latest books. First of all, Robert, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Rick. Good to see you. I always love that sign in the back of your office. Oh, thank you. Yes, so do I. I. I see it quite often now that we do all these Zooms, et cetera. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about the motivation you had and what led up to the commitment to be the author of Nobody Cares Until You Do. Yeah, we watched it get really
1: ugly during Trump's uh, Time in office, and then COVID. It seemed like the whole world was angry at everybody. Everybody was blaming everybody. And as we sat back and we listened to the people around us, we thought this has really become out of control. Someone, needs to, someone needs to do something about this. <laughs> and uh, uh, Salem Thine, who co-authored the book with me, it was a, had just joined our, our CEO groups, and he shared with me the accountability ladder, which is public knowledge, it's everywhere. And it basically shows this idea that on the bottom half of the accountability ladder, people live as victims. And at some point you decide you want to change your life and you move to the top of the ladder where you own it. And I loved it. And I started sharing that with our group members and talking about it. And he said, you really get this. You need to write a book about it to really help people understand it. And we joked about it and and we said, yeah, someday. Um, And then my life was going through all kinds of struggles and challenges, which I outline in the book and And together, we just started doing an outline, but we kept saying, we're never going to make the time to do it. So we decided the best way to get it done was to hire a a publishing company. And I know a lot of people self-publish and do it for very little amount of money, but we paid somebody because we knew we weren't going to do it. Mm -hmm. He's running two businesses. I have my full time and I actually like to enjoy time with my beautiful wife and goof off. And the idea of dedicating months and months to sit somewhere and write stuff out wasn't going to happen. So we, we, we felt the people needed to tell, understand the story of life is better when you own it. And I watched the leaders that we work with in our CEO groups. They own it. They get it. They don't always make the right decisions. They're not perfect, but they own it. That's one of the traits that I see a great leader does. They own it. And, and when you're facing challenges like COVID and restructuring your business after COVID and all the things that came in us personally, professionally, it's a beatdown. But at the end of the day, Nobody cares. Nobody cares if you're happy, successful, or fat, or unhealthy, or whatever your thing is. What they care is that you're supposed to run the business. They're counting on you for a job. You're supposed to make good decisions. They're counting on you for their future, and they're they're looking at you that you own it. That's a big burden for business owners. You and I know that. This is what we talk about every time we get together on meetings, but it's hard to always own everything. It's one thing to say, I I own the business and do well. It's another thing to say, I'm owning my life at the same Mm -hmm. time, and we've you probably heard the stories too. We've had lots of people say, if I could do it over again, I'd spend more time with my family or I wouldn't have traded off some of the decisions I made for short-term game against the long-term value of the life I want. So we're hoping this book will inspire people to chase the life they really want and not just the one they ended up with.
0: One of your many thoughtful LinkedIn posts uh, was that's kind of stuck with me and I'm going to paraphrase it. It's sort of like uh, on your deathbed, Somebody said, I'd re- I wish I would have spent more time at work.
1: Yeah, nobody says on their deathbed, I wish I spent more time at work. Yes. Yeah.
0: So that's, and that's
1: true. And I'm not, look, I'm not opposed to work. I love my job. I love what I do. And um, one of the other things that we talk a lot about is creating margin in our world. Mm-hmm. But the reality is when I don't pursue the life I really want, I live in a life of, of frustration and disappointment. That's not the kind of energy that helps you make great choices. That's not the kind of energy that helps you lead a company through really hard times. Because if you yourself are beat down and you're not living the life you want, you're not helping a team. You're coming to the work exhausted and frustrated. A lot of people have given up in the last couple of years after COVID. They're like, I don't need this anymore. I'll just sell it for whatever. I'll just shut it down. There's a lot of that going on. And and that's sad. Because if you'd been properly planning and building up a team that was ready to take over, you could say, I'm out, you guys run it, and uh, I'll go you know, let you do your thing. But most leaders aren't doing that. They're just waiting until the last second, and they have to give up. And So we're really trying to challenge people. Live the life you want. Be the best version of yourself. Pursue the things that you really care about. And if there's anything in your way, own it. Do something about it because nobody cares if you don't.
0: So let's, let's, you know, I, uh, I know when you choose a title, there's a lot of thought that goes, my experience is there's a lot of thought that goes into that. I would assume that's what you and your co-writer did. So what is the meaning behind nobody cares until you do?
1: Yeah, that, that phrase actually came up as I was raising my son, James, there was a lot of years between like 13 and 16 where he, everything was an excuse. you know, My teacher's bad, my friend's this, you know, my I lost my homework. My, you know, everything was an excuse and I'd always say, James, listen, nobody cares. Your teacher <laughs> doesn't care whether or not this, your boss won't care, your wife won't care. If you lose your job because you can't show up to work on time, y- your, your wife isn't gonna care that you got stuck in traffic, she's gonna care you don't have a paycheck. And you gotta start thinking about owning this. And I, I said it so many times, he'd finally say, dad, stop saying that, stop saying nobody cares. And I was just trying to teach him that this is how the world's going to look at it. You've got to own your stuff. So when we first were starting to write the book, we called it uh, Peak Accountability, The Journey from Victim to Victor. <laughs> this long of a title, you know. Right. And, um, but the, the turning point in, in living the life you want is that when you look at the way your life is and you say, I don't like the way my life is. What do you do? You blame you blame the government, you blame your customers, you blame your employees, you blame your spouse, you just blame someone, that's easy. Or you make excuses. Uh, well, you know, the economy, uh, well, I'm not really good at sales, uh, you know, whatever. And, and if that doesn't work, then we, we just say we can't. Well, I just can't, I just mm-hmm. can't do that. Or we wait and hope that it gets better. All four of those things hold us back as victims. And the magic turning point in the story that we talk about is when you finally get sick of having the life that you don't want, and all the problems and all the junk and you finally go look nobody cares whether or not i'm ever going to be happy or living the life i want until i care when you say that we always say when the pain of where you are is worse Mm -hmm. than the pain of where you need to go you'll change and so we say tell yourself look nobody cares unless you do. And when you care, then you're willing to do something about it. And the beauty of moving from a victim where everyone controls your life because you blame them, you give them the power over you. When you make excuses, you're helpless. But when you start to own it and you go, this sucks. And and the heart of the story was Kathy and I sold our house at the end of uh, 2019, we put it on the market because we were $90,000 in debt. And we didn't want anyone to know that. We just had made really bad choices. You know, my business hadn't grown like I wanted it to. So at the end of the year, I'd tell the government, I owe you. And then it added and added and added. And then we had credit cards. And so at the beginning of 2019, we had $90,000 a day. I said, Kathy, I don't want to live like this. This isn't how people live. Well, it's how a lot of people live, but it's not how I want to live. Right. And so I said, if we can't make things better, we should just sell the house. And start over. We kept saying, if God's going to bless us, you know, the word bless means if he does, does everything I want him to do, but God had already blessed me. I have a beautiful wife who loves me. I don't have cancer. I live in America. I mean, there's so many blessings, but he wasn't giving me a big bag of money to fix my bad <laughs> financial problem. So therefore he wasn't blessing me. And I said, look, we, we got to change this. And, and actually in September of that year, I got vertigo for 16 days Wow! and uh, I couldn't sit up. I couldn't lie down. I couldn't sleep. And after about 10 days, I said, Kathy, we are screwed. Because if I have vertigo the rest of my life, I can't make any money. And we have all this debt. Thankfully, it went away after 16 days. And I said, that's it. We're going to put the house on the market. So we had a beautiful house with a movie theater upstairs and giant furniture where 20 people could come over for dinner. And uh, we just decided we'll take the equity out of the house. We'll pay off all the debt and we'll start over. And that's what we did. Uh, Christmas didn't help, so we couldn't sell it during that time. But we finally closed the second week of march or the third week of march when COVID shut down the world mm. and uh, we moved into a tiny rental this little beautiful rental house that we have here and in april we paid out every single thing we owed anybody and we were debt free mm. and it was the beginning of getting clarity because when i had the weight of debt off of my back i could see things clearly i could make healthy choices i used to make choices out of panic and fear and worry But when I had no debt, I'm like, well, if I don't have any money, I'll just work at Walmart. (laughs) Like 20 bucks, you know, and um, rent was cheap here. I didn't have any taxes. I mean, everything was just ready for us to be able to start over. And then what was amazing, Rick, is that that year, my business doubled. I ended the year with nine CEO group members and two trusted advisors. And by the end of the year, I had 21 people. And then by the end of the next year in 2021, we had 42 people, 43 people.
0: And it was COVID. it was
1: just I think because well obviously the Lord was blessing me I'll chalk it up to God's grace and kindness but I'll also say when your head's not full of crap you can make better decisions and when I owned my life and I said this isn't what I want to live like I felt powerful I felt I felt like I could do anything I also lost uh 40 pounds because mm-hmm. I got up to 263. I was like really unhealthy. But, you know, all that bourbon and chips uh, when you're sitting at home having COVID every night, it was not a healthy lifestyle. And so I had to get rid of all that. But I was empowered to do that because I had positive mindset because I had removed the debt. I owned my journey and I could grow my business and live my life and enjoy it. And that's the turning point was when I said nobody cares if I ever get out of this problem or not unless I care enough to do something about it
0: so i need to do a shout out to your wife kathy because awesome. as right as a peer entrepreneur i know the challenges that we face and if you don't have a spouse that is going along for the whole journey yeah that can be a real challenge selling a beautiful home like you had and the life that that brings with it that's a difficult if you're not with the right person that can be a reason that totally in trouble Totally. I mean, not only did she say yes, as we,
1: you know, prayed about this and talked about this and, you know, the whole year in 2019, just looking at this isn't going to get any better. She was gearing up to say goodbye. I mean, she couldn't even bring her shoes to the house. There was a closet that was one eighth of the size of our closet before. And it, the garage is full of shoes in these, in these cabinets, <laughs> but she had a lot of shoes. <laughs> so, you know, we couldn't bring the furniture. Uh, we sold it all. Um, it was too big. And then there wasn't even enough room for our clothes. And so we had to give up a lot of stuff just to start over. And and if she hadn't bought into it, man, it would have been hell.
0: Yes, exactly. That's a teachable moment here on Critical Mass Business Talk Radio in that when you're an entrepreneur, you need to have a partner who's who's as deep into the the commitments that it takes to be successful as possible. Thank you. Thank you for sharing a story that maybe not a lot of people would be willing to talk about. I know that in addition to the book and the, I want to know about the response you've gotten, but I also know that you're an excellent front of the room speaker. I've heard firsthand from people who have seen you work. Can you talk to us a bit about how you take this content and you put it on display for others to learn from you? Yeah. I love, I love
1: meeting with people and, and taking them through uh, the book. Uh, obviously, you could read the book, and that's a great way to learn it. But we talk about it, and I share more stories, and I, and I bring it and break it down into, into little workshop bites. At the end of every chapter, there's a thing to do where you reflect. We really wanted the book to be active. So at the beginning ending of chapter one, we asked people to take a satisfaction assessment. And please, if you buy the book, don't skip the satisfaction assessment, Mm. because if you don't know where you're not satisfied, you don't know where to go work on anything. Satisfaction creates energy. And so if you need more energy in your life to conquer things, you've got to do things that will create satisfaction. And if you're unhappy with something, then start there and go do something about it. But once we recognize we're unhappy, we blame something. We make excuses. We say we can't. I can't sell my house and start over. Well, sure you can. It just sucks. But you can. Right. And that's that's part of what the book talks about. So step by step, we have these things. Well, people often go through it in a hurry like they do a lot of books and skim it. I had someone tell me the other day they skimmed it. Like, oh, that hurts my feelings. And so we want people to really soak it in and do the work. Well, the workshop is where I get to sit and talk with them and say, do you understand what this means? Like when you take the satisfaction assessment, don't take it on how you think you're looking at like, well, I guess I'm okay with my marriage. Hey, the day you got married, when you looked at that, spouse that you married and said, this is what I dream my life will be like. If it's not like that now, don't say you're satisfied. A lot of people have given up. Like I thought i just given up on my dreams to be financially stable because after so many years of carrying debt, it's never going to get any better. And I lived inside that broken mindset. But if you say I'm not satisfied, then at least, you know, we're going to work on something. There's something you can do and so having a workshop for me, it brings all my passion and my energy into the room. And I get to ask people questions and talk with them and really challenge them and explain things better. That, those times are precious to me.
0: If I remember correctly, you either just recently went to Europe or you're going later this summer. Uh, you know, we canceled. We were going to go to Scotland for
1: a month and we were going to live there and just see if we could teach what we've learned. I mean, look at all the stuff we've done with our clients over the years. We've taken them through some really good content. Right. And I just thought I'd just go there for a month and hang out with people and go, hey, you want to do a session on uh, peak accountability? Or, or no, not what was, what was the guy who wrote Peak? I love that book. Um, uh-huh anyway we different books that are we've done that were really powerful and I thought I'll just show up at Scotland and see if I can you know influence the world and we were working towards it but this year in order to be financially prudent and my business has taken a hit in the last year a lot of my clients sold their business or just let out quit their job as president and so i have to be real there's ebbs and flows in business so we've we've been cutting back and adjusting one of them is you just can't book a trip to scotland for a month (laughs) i just think i'll go there and see if i get any money it doesn't make sense so we were chasing it but then kathy and i are like look this isn't responsible there's a lot there's enough work to do here we've got speaking gigs that we're trying to work in and so we just we we put it on hold but maybe next year maybe in the future i don't know but we're going to be smart with our Money uh, as a primary goal, and then we'll we'll find crazy ways to do other stuff.
0: Yeah. So before we move back to your book, I just want to, for what it's worth, uh, put my stamp of endorsement on you as a keynote speaker. And thank you. And, and the energy you bring, you see it here on the show. If you like the energy that you see just on this two D medium, then in three D live with Robert, you're going to get a lot even more of that. So thank you. What, what what impact it, has the book had on the people that you've gotten to read it and have done the work? And Yeah, you know,
1: Salem and I, when we were writing the book, it took a lot of effort and money to do it. But we said if we change the life of one person, then it's really worth it. And we really meant that. Um, and we've had so many people send us emails or post things on social media or uh, call us and say, this has changed my life. This is the kind of thing that I needed to hear and I couldn't get my head around it. But the way you articulated it has helped me to see that I've really made excuses for my life. We've had a lot of great stories. I think it, it certainly affected our lives because if you're going to write a book, you pretty much have to do it. You know, So when we were looking at our own lives and going, well, we kind of wuss out on this area and we kind of <laughs> cheat in this area. So we really had to go back and say, well, let's really, in case somebody asks us, you know, can you be honest and say, well, this is what we did intentionally. So I, it certainly has changed us. We've had lots of great feedback, lots of great discussions with people who have said the book has really spoken to them. Um, and we hope to have a follow-up in about a year because the mm-hmm. book only came out in September. We've got a list of all the people who said they read it and loved it. And we want to go back in September and ask them to take the satisfaction assessment and say, can you compare where you were the day you started and where are you today? And has it really helped you to make a difference in your life? So we'll hopefully, in the September time, have some proof that we can show people that statistically it's made a difference
0: in people's lives. Oh, so you that's great. That would be great. And yeah. I'm sure it, I'm sure it will have. Uh, you you opened up with the accountability ladder. You've talked about accountability. Um, I think so, it depends on how that word lands on people, but mm. many times it can land uncomfortably. So in your experience, how do you when you talk about accountability, what does it mean to you in context of your book? In the simplest terms, you own it.
1: You own it. And they always say the buck stops here, but we don't act like that. Mm-hmm. We we say the buck stops here, but then we blame our employees. We say <laughs> the buck stops here, but then we blame the economy. Or yeah. I heard the other day how stupid our bank was. Well, you you went to that bank when they were smart, and now all of a sudden because you're having financial hardships and they won't give you money, they're stupid. Well, that's not them being stupid. That's you not watching the covenants you agreed to when you took out that line of it that line of uh, purchase. Oh wow. Credit. It, Credit. credit. Sorry. And so we tend to blame people as a knee-jerk reaction. We tend to make excuses for why stuff happens, but the simplest term is you own it. And another thing that people don't get right is you can't hold anyone accountable. When you say, I've heard people say, well, I hold my people accountable. Really? Tell me how, how you do that. How you do that? <laughs> yeah. And they say, well, I, we have Monday morning meetings and we go through our numbers. And so every time everyone has all their reports done, everyone shows up on time, everyone has all the numbers. No, what happens when someone doesn't do it? Do you fire them? No, no. We just say, well, you got to fix that. Well, what if the next week is not done? Well, we really want them to do it. You know, there, there's this, this this talk of accountability, but nobody can hold you accountable because you could lie. Hey, Rick, hold me accountable. I'm going to be nice to my wife. I'm going to always talk nice to her. And then you call me up. Hey, talking nice to Kathy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Don't call her. <laughs> you know? And so you have to, people have to want to be accountable. And what we need to do is create an environment where we model it and we live it and we encourage people to be accountable. But you can't hold anyone accountable. And if you build a a company where you have KPIs and you present them and you talk about them and you hire and fire against core values and all these things that you say and you really do it, then you create a place where people want to be accountable. But you'll never hold people accountable.
0: I completely agree. And uh, usually in the corporate world, accountability means the boss is making you do something that they told you to do. But it isn't always a reciprocal accountability. Leaders need to need. And if you own it, that's modeling the cultural behavior. That's. That's fantastic. So you got another idea for a book? The maybe. <laughs> well, we'd like to sell a million of these first, and then figure okay. out what to do. Okay.
1: Um, we did talk about doing like a, you know the computers for idiots. Those those yellow books. We right. thought we'd do uh, you know like nobody cares you're fat, nobody cares you're broke, nobody cares <laughs> your employees hate you. You know because if you look at every category, it's real it's real quick to make an excuse for why your life isn't the way you want it to be but it's your life and nobody will make your life better. You have to make it better by the choices you make. And life is hard. It sucked to have to go through the journey we went through. But to be on this other side of it today, I I am so glad that Kathy supported this effort and we were willing to do it. People have to want to do it to make it happen. So I think we'll see how this one shakes out. After the movie comes out, then I'll write a movie.
0: (laughs) Who do you want to play you? George Clooney. There you go. I could see that. That would be excellent. He's I don't know what your looking. co-author looks like, but, you know. He's
1: a, he looks like Mr. Clean from
0: okay. the, 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 you know, the sure. toilet bowl cleaner no. stuff. <laughs> He's big. He'll, he'll tear my arms off if he hears me say that. So. Hopefully he'll watch the interview and uh, share it. As uh, Hopefully others will do the same thing. Um, so we're wrapping this up. If someone would like to purchase the book. Where should they go, Robert Hunt? Yeah, it's available on Amazon and
1: Target and all those Barnes and Nobles places, um, which I found out they don't actually stock your book. They just buy a couple of them on the, on the thought that some might go, and then if they don't sell, they start lowering the price. I saw it on Amazon for 9 bucks the other day. I was heartbroken. <laughs> um, but we have a website, and you can buy it directly from us. I would say buy one on Amazon and give a, a review, an honest review. Once you're done reading it, and if you want to give uh, 50 of them to your employees, then buy it from us directly at nobodycaresbook.com. And then you can, when you order the book, we give you a, uh, a bookmark and a, and a sticker. And, uh, you know, it's more joyful because I make more money out
0: of it. Hallelujah. That's important. That's capitalism, baby. That's right. So uh, I was just about to wrap it up. But, you know, one thought that I had is your message should be heard not only by entrepreneurs and grown-ups, but... To, to your son's point earlier in the interview, by the youth in this country as well.
1: Yeah, I can't think of a category that wouldn't want to benefit or, or, or couldn't benefit from this. I spoke at a men's group at our church a couple of weeks ago and just said, Look, you know, we're such a ba- bunch of whiners. And no wonder nobody wants to go to church because the way everyone at church behaves, we need to be accountable to the, say- the things we say we believe. And if people, regardless of what your faith is, if you just lived the way you said you believed you live, this world would be so different. But instead, we say we, we do something, then we're not accountable to the to the things we say we believe. So I, I've had a lot of chances to share with people. I, I think uh, men and women, young and old, everybody really, your life is better when you own it, because then you take the power to decide what your life will look like and you lead that effort no victimization, only victim mindset, victor mindset, excuse me.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, that's an empowering message and um, simple, which I love that. So I'm, I'm glad you agreed to be here, our guest on the show. I've been wanting to have you on the program since your book dropped and I knew it was going to be successful and I'm so happy for you and thank your you. co-author and um, thank you for being a guest on our program today. Thanks, Rick. Great to see you, buddy. You've just been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show, and we appreciate your support. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you have a story to tell or a book that you've just written, reach out to us. We'll be happy to feature you on a future episode of Critical Mass radio show. Uh, Robert's episode is in our catalog. We have over 1,400 interviews in there. Probably somebody you know has been interviewed by me at some point over the years. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.